Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So we are now in our fourth week in our journey through the book of Acts, and we've been reminding you every week uh, that Acts is the story of the church coming alive. And everything that's alive is changing. And so Acts is the story of the living, breathing, changing church. And even though uh, for many of us, we were told that, that the book of Acts is this model church, this perfect picture of what the church should be throughout time. The, the book of Acts is really just a snapshot of the first few changes that the church is making. Because that's the story that over and over again in the book of Acts, the church evaluates itself, looks at what it's doing, and changes over and over and over again. And the church is changing because the church is alive. And so uh, we've walked through the first few chapters, and today I want to have a conversation about identity and exclusion. Your identity primarily answers the questions, uh, who are you? Think uh, gender, sexuality, race, nationality, age, culture, values, beliefs. This is your identity. And identity exclusion, being excluded based on your identity is so painful because those doors being closed, that abuse, big and small, that exclusion is an attack on the things about us that we can't hide and that we mostly can't change. And so today I want to have a conversation about what that, what identity, how identity and exclusion work together here in the text. And maybe you can remember a time that you were excluded not because of a choice you made or because of something you did, but you were left out. You were excluded because of who you are for the things you can't change and you mostly can't hide, your identity. And Much of the Bible tells the story of the Israelites choosing to practice this identity exclusion. In most of the Bible, God's people are excluding on the basis of gender and race and nationality and even things like circumcision status. Don't ask me how they were checking. But in Acts chapter 8, something changes. The Apostle Philip has this beautiful encounter with an Ethiopian eunuch. And all at once, the church changes from exclusive to inclusive. This is the story, Acts chapter 8. We're going to read verses 26 through 38. It's kind of a lot, so just stay with me. This is what it says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on the way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. 
So there's a lot there. Let me recap this a little bit. So we have Philip, and Philip is one of the original 12 apostles of Jesus. So he's seemingly important in this whole following Jesus movement in the book of Acts. He's one of the 12 original apostles. He's definitely on the inside. He is definitely included. And then he encounters this Ethiopian eunuch. And being Ethiopian is about as uh, foreign as you could get in this context, about as other as you could get. And this Ethiopian is a eunuch, which most likely means that he's a castrated man. And I want to point out one of the tensions in the text. There's a lot happening here, but it says in verse 27 that he's an important, uh, that this Ethiopian eunuch is an important official. I mean, he's riding on a chariot. He seems like he's wealthy. He has an important job. But no matter how important he is, no matter how big his job is, no matter how much wealth he has, no matter how much he accumulates, he's still only listed as an Ethiopian eunuch. He doesn't get a name. Because these identifiers, this is his identity, Ethiopian eunuch. These are the things he cannot change. And these identifiers other him in such a way that they don't even tell us his name and the whole story. He's important. He makes a big decision. He wants to be baptized. All that's beautiful. He doesn't get a name. He's just an Ethiopian eunuch. And for Philip, an Ethiopian eunuch would have been about as marginal, about as far away as possible. Right, the Ethiopian eunuch pushes the boundaries of inclusion for race and class and sexuality and gender and culture. And Philip engages this Ethiopian eunuch because of how curious he is. So this Ethiopian eunuch, he's um, reading a passage of scripture from Isaiah he doesn't really know anything about. And then he asks for someone to uh, explain it to him, just curious, curious, curious. And then finally, the story reaches its pinnacle with um, the Ethiopian eunuch asking to be baptized. And it's ultimate inclusion for a person who would be othered in almost any other context. The Old Testament, Deuteronomy 23, it even goes so far as to ban eunuchs from temple worship. This is one of the earliest converts to Christianity outside of kind of the in-group. This convert to Christianity is from a sexual minority, is of a different race, ethnicity, and nationality altogether, and there's just no way not to see this as a call for Christians to be radically inclusive and welcoming. This is the church moving from exclusive to inclusive. And and the amazing, beautiful, wonderful news about this mark of inclusion through baptism is that the Ethiopian eunuch didn't have to take a six-week baptism class. He didn't repent of a long list of bad behaviors. He didn't have to sign a church covenant. He wasn't required to assimilate to any kind of dominant culture. There is not one change required or requested of him in the text. No changes required or requested because just like his identity would have excluded him in so many ways, just like those identifiers made him other, it's it's his identity that makes him included. This is from identity exclusion to identity inclusion. Uh, This isn't God will accept you and forgive you if you promise to change your behavior. No, no, no. This is God already loves who you are, your identity. 
In the same way that you could be excluded for your identity, for just who you are, the things you can't change, this is, this is the church saying God loves you for who you are, for your identity. God already loves you. No changes required or requested. There's a common church phrase uh, in, our, in our day, maybe you've heard it, come as you are. There's songs, there's billboards, there's all kinds of stuff. Come as you are. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, almost always there's an unspoken, sometimes spoken, but unspoken subtext for that. Come as you are, and then the subtext is, but please don't stay that way. Sometimes it's spoken out loud with phrases like, come as you are, but, but we love you enough, or God loves you enough to not leave you that way. Do you guys know what a bait and switch is? It's where someone advertises one thing and then substitutes an inferior product or inferior experience after the person is on the hook. Right? Come as you are, but don't stay that way is modern Christianity's bait and switch. We've been convinced that to be truly accepted by God, then we'll have to change ourselves. But it says here that Philip told this person, Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch the good news of Jesus Christ. Come as you are, but please change quickly is not good news. Um, God will love a better version of you is not good news. You have potential is not good news. Listen, there is no bait and switch. No subtext, nothing around the corner, no catch. There is only good news. God already loves who you are. God already accepts who you are. No changes required or requested. This is the big shift happening in Acts chapter 8 for the church, that your identity, that, that no one's identity excludes them from the love and the grace and the acceptance of God or God's people because God already loves and accepts exactly who you are. And listen, uh, likely no one listening today is an Ethiopian eunuch, but I wonder if you have had parts of your identity, parts of your story, who you are, that you felt like excluded you from belonging. That there, were, that there were some things in you, about you, that maybe you couldn't hide or that you couldn't change. And those things excluded you from belonging. And maybe you've been in religious spaces, maybe if you're not sure about that, maybe you could just think about if you've ever been in religious spaces where you feel like you didn't even have a name, that you just had a set of othered identities. You know, I, I went through a really hard family season where it felt like for a little while people didn't see me, they didn't see Josh, that they just saw a broken family when they looked at me. And that may not be true, but that's what it felt like. That no one could call me by my name. They just saw something that othered me. Maybe you've felt so othered in some religious spaces that you haven't been seen. You couldn't even be called by name. And I, I wonder if you have anyone or anything on your list that you think excludes people from belonging. Because this acceptance and this inclusion, this belonging that we believe is happening in Acts chapter 8, if it doesn't include everyone, if it doesn't include absolutely everyone, then we're missing the point. And some of us, 
We have decided we, we, we have we have moved in a direction for inclusion, but um, our 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 um, our parameters are are just as wide as they've ever been. So we, we didn't grow any wider. We just moved to a different group of people we're including. Right, so some of us have said, you know what, I'm more liberal than I used to be. So now I, I'm moving in this direction where these um, people that I used to think were bad liberals are now accepted. Uh, but now I'm excluding these really conservative people. Right, the, the, you didn't get any wider. You stayed just as narrow. You just switched lanes. I wonder who's on your list of people that are excluded from belonging. And then for you, do you trust that you are already accepted? That God already loves who you are? No changes required or requested. Not you have potential, but that God already loves who you are. Do you trust that? Listen, you are never, you were never excluded from the love and acceptance of God and God's people. There are no others in the kingdom of God. Uh, the, the, real, the real pinnacle of the story is the, the baptism of this man, the Ethiopian eunuch. It really all leads up into that moment. And we could do a whole sermon today on baptism. We're not going to, don't worry. But most simply put, baptism is the outward display that someone has accepted their acceptance. It, it, it marks the entrance of a person into a community. It's the, the public pronouncement that someone believes that they belong to this community. And, and the Ethiopian eunuch in verse 36, he asked this question to Philip. He says, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? What can stand in my way? And this question has gnawed at me all week because this beautiful, intriguing, curious Ethiopian eunuch, he just comes out and asks, is there anything that stands in between me and my belonging? What can stand in my way of acceptance? What can stand in my way of belonging? And I just, all week, I, just ha I have just been wondering how many people have pressed their noses up against the windows of churches and have asked, what stands in my way of acceptance? Tell me, what stands in my way of belonging? What is the reason that I can't be included? Can you tell me why I can come as I am, but I can't stay that way? Is it my education? Is it my race? Is it my sexuality? Is it my gender? I just can't stop imagining all of the faces, all of the image bearers of God who have asked what stands in my way. I want you to know that at Gather, when anyone asks what stands in the way of my belonging, we look at this early church tradition. We look at the book of Acts. We stand on the shoulders of the early apostles. We stand with Philip and we answer, not me. There is no reason, no argument, no belief to stand between you and your belongings. So when you ask what stands in my way, we say, not me. We will not stand in the way of you and your acceptance, belonging, or inclusion. And for those who have been told that who they are, for those who have been told that who you are excludes you from inclusion, belonging, for those in the LGBTQ plus community, we will not stand in your way. You belong because you have always belonged. 
for black and brown folks and specifically black and brown women, please let me get out of your way. You belong. And today, if you are listening and you are like me, you are of the dominant culture, you are a white, straight, and middle class. If you're like me and pretty much your identity has never excluded you, then please get out of the way. Follow the example of the Apostle Philip and refuse today to stand in the way of anyone's belonging and acceptance. This is the big change, the big shift in Acts chapter 8, that your identity, that no one's identity excludes them from the love and the grace and the acceptance of God or God's people. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Trust that you are already loved by God and God's people. Drop your shoulders and take a deep breath. There is no catch and nothing around the corner. Accept your acceptance and believe your belonging. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.